You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. It's good to be back. Man, I love worshiping Jesus. I love all the Georgia shirts that I'm seeing in this place because it was a great day yesterday for Georgia. I wish there were some Oregon fans in here. Um, I don't think there are. If there are, man, you got what you deserved yesterday. Praise God for college football. Man, I'm glad it's back. I'm glad more than that, that we get to continue on in our study of Jesus' sermon, the greatest sermon ever, not because we're doing this series, but because Jesus preached the sermon. And he's the best preacher ever. He's preaching the best sermon ever. And we're, we're at the end. So there's this week and the next week we're, we're finishing this series off. And in the sermon, if you think about it, this week is when Jesus, now this is all at one time he's preaching this entire thing, right? But this is the point in his sermon where he would say, hey, so we're going to close with this, right? So he's about to wrap up this sermon. He's about to summarize everything that he said to this point. And he does it in really five ways. We're going to talk about four of those ways this morning. And then next week we're going to close with the fifth one because he ended with a bang like only Jesus can do. Right? He started with the gospel, with the Beatitudes, and then he ends this whole sermon with the gospel. And everything in between is how we can live a grace-filled, gospel-centered life. Not because we're good people, but because we've been filled with the grace of Jesus. It's not because we, we're some kind of special person. It's only because Jesus has entered into us through His Spirit. And because of that, because of that relationship with Him, all the grace, all the mercy, all the love that we get should overflow out of us. And we should live that kind of life. And that's what Jesus has been saying. And we're going to see in Matthew 7, starting in verse 12, as Jesus begins to summarize this, He uses the word, so. So He's saying, hey, so everything that I've been talking about, I'm about to sum it up. And He says this, so, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for that is the law and the prophets. And you're like, man, I've heard that before. That's the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Here's the deal. I want to give you just quick history. It wasn't called the golden rule when Jesus said it. It became the golden rule about 200 years later. There was an emperor who inscribed this on a golden tablet above his throne, and it just became known as the golden rule. But Jesus said, hey, whatever you wish that others would do to you, treat them the same way. And it sounds so sweet, and it sounds so innocent, and it sounds so easy, and then we begin to live life, and we realize this is a lot harder than I thought. Treating people the way that I want to be treated is a lot harder than it should be. It's not always easy to treat people the way that you would want to be treated if you were on the other side. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I'm pretty good at that. I'm going to give you just some, some examples of this, right? Because there's probably 
some people in this room right now, that you have someone who aggravates the snot out of you. Raise your hand if that's true. Let's be honest and open in this place. Okay. Now, if you treated them the way that you would want to be treated, you would show them so much love, so much inclusion, so much this, so much that, but we say, hey, they frustrate me. I'll be nice to a certain level, but that's it. I'm staying away from them, right? How many of you do that? Let's be honest and open and transparent. Praise God for y'all's honesty. It's hard to treat people the way that we want to be treated. It really is. And Jesus says, hey, so, so I've given you all of this stuff. I've told you about the, the gospel. I, I've shared with you that, man, when you realize that you can't do for yourself what needs to be done spiritually and you're spiritually bankrupt, when you realize that and you turn over your life to me, then congratulations. Blessed are you for that. And then when you get to that point, because of the grace of God in your life, you should live differently. You should begin to treat people the way that you want to be treated. How many of you remember WWJD bracelets? All right. How many of you had one? How many of you have one on right now? If it, that's what I'm talking about. So if you missed that fad, congratulations to you. But, man, what if we don't know, for one, we can't say that we know exactly what Jesus would do in every situation, right? That's one of the problems. We have a pretty good idea of what he would do, but we don't know. Secondly, there's some things he would do that we just can't do today, right? Like he would go and spit in some mud or some dirt, make some mud and just rub it on people, right? We can't do that. You can try that. It's not going to work out well for you probably in this city, in this state, or in this country if you spit on some dirt, make some mud, and put it in somebody's eyes, right? It's just not going to work. So instead of asking, what would Jesus do? What if we asked, how would I want to be treated? If it was me, how would I want to be treated? If there's someone that's hurt you and, and man, they, they're really needing some type of forgiveness, you ask yourself, hey, how would I want to be treated? Or if you're at this meeting and you're at work and you really need to call somebody out because it's just, it's really just building up and you need to publicly call them out and criticize them, ask yourself, how, how would I want to be treated? Or you, you get that phone call and you know that it's going to take an hour and a half. And you're like, man, I don't have time for that. And I don't even want to talk to them. But you know that they really just need to talk to someone. How would you want to be treated if you were on the other end? How would I want to be treated? And Jesus is saying, hey, so here's the deal. Religion would tell you something and then I'm going to tell you something. That's kind of been the contrast of this entire sermon. Is that the law says this, and Jesus takes it up a notch. And he says, hey, it's not just about religious activity. It's about what's inside, what's in your heart. And how you live that out. And he says, man, religion, and this is, this is we have four things. This is number one. Religion says you get what you deserve. You get what's fair. You get what's coming. Jesus says, you get what I deserve, you get what you need, and I'll take what's coming. 
Right? So we don't want fair. We've talked about this before. We don't want fair because fair is we're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, we should be separated for eternity in a place called hell. And God says, hey, I'm not going to give you fair. I'm going to give you me. I'm going to give you grace. And because I've given you grace, I've given you forgiveness, I've given you mercy, I've given you love, then we show that to other people because that's what we would want for ourselves. And not only is it what we want as Christ followers, if we've made the decision to follow Jesus, it's what we have. And when we have it as Christ followers, there's no way we could keep it in. And we want to show that to the world. He goes on and he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So Jesus does like a a huge pivot here, right? He's saying, hey, treat people the right way. Treat people the way that you would want to be treated. And then he just starts talking about gates and roads. And it's like, what are you doing? And what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, hey, so there's two ways of life. Again, I've been contrasting this the whole time. But to sum it up, there's one way that's really easy. It's really wide. It's really, really simple. It's the, it's the easy way out. And that's the way of the world. And then there's a really narrow way. And man, it's, it's pretty hard. The gate is really small. You say, well, what are you talking about? What he's talking about is, hey, so there's salvation for you through Jesus. And it's narrow because Jesus is the only way to salvation. The road is hard because the world doesn't want anything to do with it. But there's two ways and we get to decide which way we go. We could take the easy path that's really wide. It's really open. A lot of people go. Or we could take the Jesus way that's really narrow. It's pretty hard. There's no easy believism when it comes to Christianity. Right? I don't want you to ever think that following Jesus is some simple prayer and it's over. That's not what following Jesus is. Following Jesus is allowing the gospel to enter into your life and it transforms you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to mess up. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It means that Jesus is doing something within you and that you are taking steps of faith. Because you can't follow someone unless you're taking steps behind them. And Jesus is saying, hey, here's the deal. I came to give you life. And I came to give you life in the fullest. He says that in John 10, 10. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 10, 9, he says, I am the door. And then in John eleven twenty five, 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then we see in the book of Acts, Luke says, there is no other name by which one must be saved. Only the name of Jesus. So all throughout his ministry, he is saying, hey, I am the way. I am the gate. I am the door. No one can come to the Father except by me. And the world would say, hey man, that's really exclusive. Don't all roads lead to the same destination? And Jesus says, no, only one. And it's me. Only one. 
And it's me. You say, man, well, that's pretty, that's pretty arrogant. That's pretty mean. And, and what I want you to, to think about, and if you know anything about different world religions is, religion is always an attempt to get closer to God. Or it's always an attempt to make yourself feel better. Or it's always an attempt to do better. It's always works-based. And Jesus says, man, that, that ain't how it is. I already know that you guys are horrible people. That's why I came to you. Number two is this. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Faith is knowing that God came to us. We don't have to do all this fancy stuff. It's not about religious activity. It's not about religious words. It's not about religious works. It's understanding that we can't get to Him, so He sent Jesus on a rescue mission for us. It's understanding that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and they hid from God, God was walking in the cool of the night. He came to them. I don't know if you've heard of the Tower of Babel, and a lot of people talk about it as how we got a bunch of different languages, but at the core of the Tower of Babel in Scripture is that they were building this tower as tall as they could so that they could attain something, that they could get closer to God. And if you know the story, God knocks down the tower, in essence saying, hey, you can't get to me, I am coming to you. We serve a God who comes to us, who rescues us, who says, hey, I want you and I'm coming to get you. We don't have to go to Him. Revelation 21.3 says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with the man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. Here's the, here's the good news is that when this life as we know it is over, when eternity begins and we have a relationship with Him, He's coming to dwell with us. His children. His kids. His beloveds. It's us. He comes to us. We don't have to work to get to Him. And you say, man, it's just hard. It's hard to live that life. It's hard to, to check all these boxes. And this is, this is so important for you to understand. Jesus, in this message, wasn't just replacing the law with a new type of law. What He was doing is saying, hey, I know you can't do this stuff. I know you can't check all these boxes. That's why it's about me and having a relationship with me. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts. See, religion says you have to do more, and you have to do more, and you have to do more. And Jesus says, man, it's not about that. It's about just having a relationship with me. So don't misunderstand this sermon and think that you have to do more stuff. It's that when His grace fills you, you can't help but to live life a certain way. Jesus took the hard way for us. He was tempted in every way that we're tempted and He took the hard way. He prayed in the garden with, with sweats of blood, but He still took the hard way. He was dragged and beaten 
And he took the hard way. He was taken out of town, really into a, a dump type area. He was placed on a cross and he was crucified. He bore the weight of the sin of the world. He took the hard way. So yeah, the, the way is hard. The gate is narrow. I get it. But here's the deal. Jesus already took the hard way for us. So when we begin to follow Him, He is just leading us along the way. Verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Here, here's what I want you to know about this really quick. Is that true prophets always point you to Jesus. False prophets always point you to the world. Now, it's really easy to think about prophets who teach false doctrine and you hear all this stuff and, man, it's just it's like, yeah, those are false prophets. But, man, I've been thinking as I've been studying this sermon is that I can be my own worst false prophet. That more than anybody else, I can point myself away from Jesus. And if you're honest with yourself this morning, there's, there's probably some tendencies, some things that you have in your life where you can point yourself away from Jesus. There's some things in your life where you become your own worst false prophet. And instead of pointing yourself to Jesus, you make decisions or you point yourself away from Him. You say, well, how do I know? Well, Jesus answers that question. He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. So you want to know? If you want to know if you have a false prophet really inside of you, if that's your, if that's your tendency, or if there's some around you, you know them by their fruit and it's not how it's not how much fruit it's not about how big the fruit is it's about the quality of the fruit and Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 what it looks like he says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law Paul says hey this is this this is the fruit of the spirit the spirit will always lead you to the fruit of the spirit the flesh will always lead you to the fruit of this world, which is dead, diseased, worthless fruit. And it's important to know your, your own heart and the tendencies that you have, and it's also important to know the stuff that is around you, the people that you hang out with, the things that you, that you look at, the, the stuff that you allow into your life. What kind of fruit is being produced? What kind of fruit is being produced? The Spirit of God will always lead you to the fruit of the Spirit. And you say, well, man, there's some, there's some bad fruit that I produce, and I want you to know that me too, that I produce bad fruit, that you produce bad fruit. Matthew 3.8 says this, bear fruit, listen to this, in keeping with repentance. And this is what I want you to know about this, is that when we do produce something bad, when we do fall short, when we do sin, we do so in a way of repentance, right? There should be some kind of conviction within us. We should repent of that, and then God begins to work through the repentance, and He creates fruit out of our repentant 
heart. So I'm not telling you to be perfect. I'm telling you that when we do fall short, when there is bad fruit, we live in a spirit and an attitude of repentance. And we allow God to work through that repentance to create good fruit. Number three is this. Religion says work hard to produce fruit. Jesus says come abide in me and I will produce a fruit in you that you can never produce on your own. See, we can't produce anything that's any good because we're no good without Him. And I'm not trying to beat you down and tell you you're, that you, you're horrible as a person. But man, without Jesus, there is no good within us. And every time we don't choose Jesus, that shows up. And if you think about your life, you can probably just know those moments in your life where, yep, I didn't choose Jesus for that. Because the fruit is different. And it's all because of Him. It's all because of Him. He continues on in verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now I want you to really think about this, because this is, this is a verse that, now when I was growing up, I heard it all the time. In high school, I heard it all the time. In college, I heard it all the time. You study this type of stuff. Uh, and this verse is one that used to scare the mess out of me. Because, really, I do, I do this, right? I'm a professional Bible person. And I imagine getting there and Jesus saying, Hey, man, yeah, so you knew the Bible really well. You had, a, you had a theology degree. All that's good. You prayed for people and you saw healing take place. But hey, guess what? I didn't know you, so depart from me. Man, and that used to, used to wreck me. Because it's like, man, so how, how do I know? How do I know? How can I have the assurance that I won't hear that? And if you're honest with yourself, you don't want to be there standing before Jesus, making a case about all the things you've done, all the things you know you knew, all the stuff that happened while you were around, and then Him saying, hey, depart from me, because I don't know you. That's not what we want. So how can we have the assurance that we don't hear that? Number four is this. We're going to close here. Religion says, know a lot about Jesus. Jesus says, hey, just know me. Just know me. See, there's a way, there's a way that we can have assurance that we don't hear, hey, depart from me, for I never knew you. And the assurance is, Scripture teaches us, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
that we don't just believe that Jesus did a lot of stuff, that we believe in who He is. That we put our faith in Him, that we put our trust in Him, that we don't just know Him as Lord, Lord, but we know Him as Savior and Lord. That we understand that He came on a rescue mission for us to seek and to save those who were lost, which is all of us. And that we don't just base our our relationship with Jesus off of how many times we come to church in a month or how many worship songs we know or when in the song to make worship hands, right? That we don't, we don't focus on that stuff because Jesus isn't going to know you because of that. He's going to know you because you started a relationship with Him. And the word know here isn't just to know about. This is an intimacy type of know. Jesus says, hey, yeah, so, man, that's, that's really good that you did all that. It's really good that you believed all that stuff. The devil believes all that stuff too. It's really good that you knew a lot of theology. The devil knows a lot of theology too. Yeah, and I know that people were healed when you prayed and that maybe some demons were cast out. But, I mean, the devil knows how to move demons around too. And he says, man, all that stuff's good, but I don't know who you are. I don't know you. You went to church every Sunday? Fantastic. I don't know you. You sang the songs on Sunday morning? Man, that's awesome. I don't know who you are. You prayed for people? Great. But I don't know who you are. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm trying to sum up all of this stuff that we've been talking about. And when you realize that you're in a place where you don't know him, man, congratulations to you because that's when he can move in your life. All of you have heard hitting rock bottom, right? There's a time spiritually where we have to hit rock bottom and realize that we can't do it. Where we, we have to say, man, I really don't have this. I thought I, I thought I had it, but I don't. And I need Him to do for me what I can't do for myself. And we don't focus on going to church on Sunday. We focus on having a relationship with Jesus. And because of that grace and that love that He fills our life with, we want to show up on Sunday because we want to worship Him with other family members of the church of God. And there's some of you maybe sitting in this room and you don't have that assurance. You're, you're afraid that when you, when you reach that moment and you're standing before Jesus that He's not going to know you. And you don't have to leave this place today without having the assurance of knowing who He is. See, religion would say, know a lot about Him. Jesus would say, hey, just know me. Religion would say, man, just love all the stuff of the world and hope that you get there. And Jesus would say, no, man, just love me. Religion would say, just believe a lot of stuff. And one of those things is going to be right. 
And Jesus would say, no, just believe in me. Religion would say, hey, bank it all on how good you can be. And Jesus would say, no, man, bank it all on how good I am. We bank it all on Him. We bank it all on His perfection, His holiness, His love, His death, His burial, His resurrection. And it's not about us, and that's what He's been preaching the entire time. That it's not about things that we can do on our own. No, it's about understanding that He is enough. That His grace is sufficient. It's about us putting our faith and our trust in Him. Man, I think the church has done a horrible job. A horrible job of conforming. Right? They just they began to conform to include everything and everyone. And man, Jesus is inclusive in the way that he says, Hey, I died for all of you. All of you can come, but there's one way, and it's through me. It's not through how good you are, it's not through just some kind of self-help. No, none of that is enough. He is enough, and he's the only one. And there's some people in this room that you, you've never made that decision. Let's stand together as we close. But I want to ask you this morning, do you know them? Not do you know a lot about them. Not do you come to church on Sunday. Not were you raised in church. Not do you know the Ten Commandments. None of that. Do you know Him? Have you put your faith and your trust in Him? Have you started a relationship with Him? Understanding that you can't get to Him, but He came here for you. And I don't want anyone to leave this place without the assurance that when they stand before God, they can hear it. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Enter into my rest because you're heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.